Welcome back to another School of Science Radio podcast. I'm Gino Ganello, joined again uh, by Matthew Chandler. Um, and this week, joined by a Royal Blue Mercy, um, one, one of our, our compatriots, I guess you could say, uh, Brian Foley. Brian, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Everton haven't lost in weeks. It's fantastic. It, it is. It is. Uh, you know, it's great not having to talk about the losses and the defeats. And uh, while there isn't any of that to talk about, there are some things that we haven't really talked about, um, being that I haven't been here in a week with Matthew and the season kind of wrapped up with the transfer window now kind of in full swing. So let's get right into some, you know, some, some general details that we got to go over. Uh, let's start with the new away kit. Um, obviously, Everton released the new away kit, or Hummel, I should say, released the new away kit um, for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Thoughts? Oh, I love it. I, I think uh, I think Hummel did a great job uh, in their first year. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard different uh, different takes on it, but for me, it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, that I can wear. And I'm just happy it doesn't say uh, Sport Pesa or Chang on it, uh, you know. Angry, <laughs> angry but yeah, I'll, I will miss it, I, uh, you know. But uh, but I, I like it. It's um, I, I think we touched on how like Hummel, um, you know, Everton are potentially like their biggest um, sort of. Everton will probably be Hummel's like biggest. Most high-profile client, so um, I think you can kind of see in the in the design. I think there's certainly more kind of unique feel about it. I think than maybe haven't had with the Umbro kit or the Nike kit before that. Um, and yeah, it's like I don't I don't really personally like buy many kits nowadays, but like so I think it looks pretty slick and and. Uh, it's kind of obviously kind of a hark back to I think the sixties and the seventies with some like some of the iconic sort of amber kits haven't had them, um, and yeah, I really like it. It's, it looks, I mean, it's called classic, but I would say it's also pretty classy as well. Um, yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I, a lot nicer than that. The uh, the one we had this season, the salmon pink one, which mm-hmm. I think was a technical term. Where every time we played in that, we seem to lose or concede last-minute goals. Um, well, let's. Hold yeah, it was definitely it was definitely the jerseys. It was definitely yeah. what we were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I I like it. I think, like you guys said, it's very simple, but it's you know the details that it does have are are great, and it does have that kind of classic feel to it. With um, like you said, Matthew, the old teams um you know, back in the 70s, 60s um, with those amber kits. I think it's, you know, it's going to look really nice. Um, I might buy one myself. Um, just I, like, I typically like buying the away kits because, you know, everybody has the, uh, the blue, the blue, the royal blue, typical jersey. You know, the, the away kits are the ones that are different every year. Um, but I think Hummel's done a really, really good job um, with their first, you know, couple kits that they've given us. Um, I think that they've done a good job of keeping it simple, but having those little details in there to make it like special and and make it mean something to Everton and and their fans. So, did you uh, did you did you buy either of you buy any of the season's shirts? This actually was the first year in probably like 
five or six years, maybe more that I haven't bought a kit. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I did not purchase this year's kit. No, yeah. I, I haven't bought one since I think 2014, 15. Yeah, I, I think this one, I think this one will be up though. I, you know, it's clean. I'm a fan of simple. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's something very, you know, not overdoing it, but again, like you, there's something to still something to explain about it, you know, that didn't come off the Nike, uh, the Nike mill with the, the same, you know, jerseys for everybody. And then they just change the collar, yeah. uh, color and, and say like, here, look. So. Oh yeah. Have you seen the, have you seen the goalkeeper shirt as well, by the way? Cause it's kind of. Yeah. It's an interesting um, thing. Like obviously you'd have to explain it to someone because I didn't even know what, I didn't realize it was for that. Like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know what the, uh, you know, the song, I don't look at Z cars on like the audio file too much. Like, <laughs> um, Matthew, can you explain the kit? What is, what is on the keeper kit? Well, I have a friend who's a red and he said, he asked me if that was like what my heart rate looks like when Pickford. Uh, yeah, it might be that I don't know I don't know is it is it to do with Z cars you know, yeah know. they said it's like the like if you were like to look at the audio file or something like that it's like Z oh like the, the sound wave yeah the sound wave yeah 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 that's what oh, they yeah. said I think if I remember again well B for effort B for effort right <laughs> yeah, like yeah. at least it's something different at least yeah. there was something to it you know if you you swing and you miss at least you you know this one, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. no, I like, I, it, yeah, it would take yeah. some explaining, but it's like, it's. Yeah. Would any of you guys ever? This is a question. Um, that's not on there. Um, uh, would any of you guys ever buy a goalkeeper kit? I, I mean, I or like a goalkeeper. Like, I would never ever buy a goalkeeper jersey. Not because I didn't don't like them, but I just. I don't They're know. all long sleeve as well, aren't they? Most of them. So. I don't mind the long sleeve ones, no. but it's just like. He's out there buying every goalkeeper jersey. Like, I used to, uh, I used to play in goal sometime. Yeah, I remember I was on holiday. This would have been 2016, I think, where there was like a big football tournament while I was on holiday. Um, so I was like, I was in goal, and it was full of like Dutch kids and Spanish kids and French kids. And uh, these Dutch kids were like trying to put me off the whole time I was in goal by like, standing behind me. <laughs> while one of the other teams was playing, I was like reading the newspaper or something. And then they, they saw, they obviously saw me do this because in the next game when I went in goal, they spent the whole game just shouting, Where's your newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> and asking me, you know, how I got butter fingers or something. <laughs> um, since then, I haven't gone in goal. I kind of <laughs> Too much of a dramatic experience. Yeah. Uh, the training kits are quite nice as well. So um, yeah. I was back in training. Uh, so they were pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on yeah. now to uh, some of the, I guess, transfer business that we uh, kind of got to talk about, haven't talked about um, in a while. Um, obviously, Gabriel, um, he is obviously from uh, Lille, the defender from Lille. He's been linked with Everton for a significant amount of time right now. Uh, at this point. Um, but it looks like Everton might be set to walk away from this deal um, or the potential deal with, um, with Lille. Um, what are your guys' opinions on that? Obviously, there's some other suitors like Arsenal and Napoli who are also looking at him. 
Uh, you think this is probably this is a good decision for Everton, um, you know, at this juncture of the window and kind of how short it is and how quickly they need to get players in? Um, I think, yeah, because I, I think there's still seven weeks left of the window, obviously four weeks, three and a half till the season starts, but uh, the clock's kind of ticking a bit now for Everton. And I think we would all agree that, you know, while we don't have the best centre-backs in the league, it's it's certainly like a lower area of concern than mid-centre midfield or full-backs or wingers. So um, I don't think Everton can really afford to, uh, to play the waiting game with any player for too long. I think we saw that last season with Kurt Zuma to a point as well, where we were talking with... Uh, Paddy Boylan about this year we were me that Marco Silva and, and Marcel Brands probably hung their hats too long on on waiting for Zuma. Um and I think if Everton do the same thing with, with Gabriel. I don't think it would be as disastrous because if we've got the, the strength and depth there, I think to cope. But um if they want a centre back then you know, they can't they can't just keep waiting. Because obviously the longer they wait the more um Napoli might put the price up as well because Evan might get more and more desperate for a centre-back. So, you know, I haven't seen Gabriel play, so I can't, I'm not going to sit and say I'm an expert on him. Um, only 22, so obviously there's room for kind of resale value and, and improvement in his game, but um, if Everton are to, to walk away from this, I don't think you could, you could really blame him. Yeah, I think last season, if anything, put as Matthew mentioned, the center back position for Everton in a different light in that we were looking for the young center back to come in and really plug in. And now with Branthway coming on, I know just for a short time, but at least proving that he can be a stopgap in situations for another year or two, if not go on on loan and, and get some matches in. Uh, Mason Holgate really, I mean, kind of established himself as our most consistent center back and, you know, I had to take down all my Mason uh, Mason Holgate uh, uh, hater fan club uh, stuff because you know I I had to take the, the foot out of my mouth. But but I think with those two now you'd have two young center backs. Then you have Michael Keane and you have uh, Yerimina, who both, regardless of how they do in the next say two to three seasons, are going to have resale value. It now I think leaves Everton in a position of looking for someone who you know don't go chase that 22-year-old perfect fit who you envision, you know, staying for 10 years and being Jagielka and go find somebody who can, you know, maybe we can get at a, a, a cheaper rate who may not have sell-on value but has, you know, maybe played in the league for a few years and, and can give us consistent starts alongside some of these other pieces that we have and, and create some competition there. Um, so I, I'm okay with them walking away as, as long as they – I still believe that we need a center back. It's not, again – it's not central midfield, which we'll certainly get to, which I think is um, right now where the alarm bells should should still be ringing in the in the transfer uh, in the transfer office. But yeah, I, I'm okay with them walking away again as long as we're we're shifting our focus to somebody. Uh, but I think there's a, a lot more uh, leeway now than we had in previous seasons when everybody knew that we were looking for a top level Premier League center back or two, and we were willing to pay, and it put us in you know, bad positions in the market. I think Brian makes a good point there about, um, you know, buying buying the finished article. I think Evan can maybe afford to spend a bit more 
on a not an old player, but maybe an older player than Gabriel, who's 22, to buy someone who's already kind of who's already in his prime. He's already hit his peak uh, when he comes to Evan, so that Evan kind of have yeah. you know a genuine sort of top class, obvious first choice centre back. I don't think yeah. we really need another early 20s centre back. We've already got Holgate and Branthwaite and Lewis Gibson, so. Um, if you're going to spend on a centre back, you may as well spend big and get top class. Yeah, I mean, it, like like you guys have said, it's it's not we don't it's not a pressing need that it, that it, like it has been in in recent years. And and if we even if we didn't get a top class centre back and spent a little bit more on on it, and maybe we just got you know a player that was you know could fill in obviously due to injuries and stuff like that, just kind of for depth reasons, that might even be an option that that would be good as well. But we have those different options. We don't have to go for a certain level of player because we have now three established center backs. Um, obviously we don't know what's happening with Jared Branthwaite or Lewis Gibson this season. Um, I, I guess the, the, the hope would be that they would be loaned out um, so they can continue their development. Um, but if that's the case, then we probably need to bring in at least one more depth piece um, at center back, if not better than that, um, to kind of solidify that position. Um, moving on to um, a player we haven't seen in a while um, in the first team, uh, Benny Beningami. It looks like he's set to be loaned out to Blackpool in the League One. Uh, in League One. Um, what do you guys think? Is this a good move for him? Is this something that can help his development? Is this a move that – does he have a future even at this uh, at Everton? And, and will this help him? Or is this a move that he's going to get loaned out and like we have seen with some players, um, will get sold the next season? I don't think it'll yeah. be – sorry, I go on, Brian. Oh, I was just going to say, I think at this point, Benny's kind of become almost like a uh, – almost like – is, is haunting the halls of, uh, of Everton because he had like those one or two performances where you were just like, wow, like you, you could see it in them. And I, I'm, I'm a person who believes that sometimes, you know, you don't mesh with a manager, but he really hasn't meshed with any manager. And if Everton hasn't had a lot of things, there's been a lot of managers. Uh, so a lot of people have laid eyes on him. Nobody's tried to push him through or move him through. Um, you know, nobody, I mean, you look at somebody even like, and, and, you know, Anthony Gordon, for example, as soon as Ancelotti got in there, it felt like, oh, hey, here's, he sees something in him, if you will. And obviously there's other circumstances. Uh, but yeah, to, to me, Benny, this is, you know, the fact that he's going to League One tells you a lot. Um, you know, when, when you skip a level and you, you get loaned off two leagues down, um, you know, I think that just kind of sent a message. And just to add to your point, you said certain circumstances. Benengami is playing a position that Everton have been in desperate, desperate <laughs> need of someone at for a significant amount of time and hasn't seen playing time yet. So, you know, you got to wonder. Uh, Matthew? I think it's quite sad because I think he looks – I think I'm really impressed by Benengami when he played under Unsworth and a bit under Allardyce. Um, and it, Kind of feels like it's it's all gone wrong because of the, the injuries that he's had. Um, but I, w- I would suggest that if you're 21 and if you're only going on loan to a League One club, then you're probably not going to make it. Uh, Everton, um, and it's more a case of struggling to find buyers than you know 
actually wanting to see if he can make it because we see we see we see him as with Matthew Pennington and Wigan and Luke Garber players like that where they can't find anyone to take them permanently because the contract's going to run out sooner or later so we just wait until then so I'll just take a punt for them for a year on loan it kind of feels like Beningami might be going down the same path which is sad because obviously like you said we really need a central midfielder um, but you know if he's not good enough he's not good enough but I just think it was kind of weird with him wasn't it because he used to make the bench a lot after the restart but never actually played a minute so whether whether he was just like some sort of stick that Antelotti would poke sort of Sigurdsson with just to sort of wake him up so <laughs> I've got an actual midfielder on the bench there. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't put if you don't even put in tackle, I will stop. I'm not really. I'm not really it's all right, mate. It's all right, Gilfie. I'm, really, I'm not really going to stop you off. Yeah, it? yeah. It's some empty, um, empty. Uh, empty I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to scare him. I was just trying to scare him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think. I think it's okay. I think it's. It's better for him to play in League One than it is in the under twenty three league, but I would I would suggest yeah. twenty one. You probably already passed the cutoff point. We talked the other week with El Breton and, and Pete Reynolds about uh, the young players and how players like Ellis Sims, who's I think eighteen, should already be looking at like a League One loan, League Two loan, um, which is fine for that age. But I think three years down the line, you would would hope that players are already beyond. You know, League One, League Two loans, and these are also just the little pieces of the wage block that we just have to continue to chip away at. You know, I know Benny Beningami's not pulling down, uh, isn't pulling in Sandro Ramirez numbers, <laughs> but that you know, it it adds up. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not angry about Sandro Ramirez, uh, but it adds up. <laughs> you know, over time, and and it's just another player who, again, has cycled through. And I think Matthew made a good point, like. In Everton, I think have been guilty of this a lot, which is not getting their players out early enough. You know, you know, even like uh, Kieran Dowell, who I think sat around for an extra year when he could have been flushed out earlier. And you know, is he really going to make it? Is he somebody we want to bring back at twenty or twenty-one, not bring back at twenty-two or twenty-three? And at that point, you know, you're just there's not you're kind of caught between a, a rock and a hard place. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting situation with uh, Beningami. I mean, like you guys have already mentioned, he had some good performances, so it makes you wonder what happened. Obviously, the injuries, um, not great. And, and as I think Brian mentioned, the switch of managers, um, maybe maybe that doesn't help him. Maybe, maybe that hurts him more than it helps him. Um, but again, there have been plenty of managers with plenty of different philosophies, and he still hasn't gotten a real shot in that position in a midfield that's been really, really bad. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, but I think he's probably more near the not making it at Everton, probably sold in a year or two rather than the making it at Everton after a loan at a league one club, like you guys mentioned. Um, another player we're linked with who we're still going after, um, probably the player we've been most heavily linked with, um, other than uh, Gabrielle Allen from Napoli. Um, the rumored asking price, according to the Daily Mail, is around 36 million pounds. That's 40 million euros. Um, they've also, according to uh, Fabrizio Romano, we were also looking at um, Ducore. Uh, it'll be um, 
you know, it's good to see that we're looking at uh, midfielders. Uh, that's ideal. Um, Brian, opinions on Allen for the asking price. Um, I don't know if you know anything about Allen, have watched Allen at all. Um, just kind of opinions on, on him and whether this deal would be worth it. Um, taking everything into context and maybe just add in there, whether you'd rather have him or Ducore. Um, you know, I think Allen um, is uh, exactly kind of what we need. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that he's a, uh, a cure-all by any uh, sense of the imagination, but as we talked about with Benny, we have been, you know, post, uh, post Adrius Gay, we have uh, just, you know, been wandering in, <laughs> wandering in the dark as far as it goes for established central midfielders. Um, I've watched a, a bit of, of, uh, of Allen. Uh, I think there's other little things too is, you know, how comfortable will he be right away? Well, one, he knows the manager. So he's going to come in. He's going to know what's expected of him. There's not that, you know, this isn't a signing from outside. Of, this isn't a brand signing that we're trying to squeeze in or, or anything like that. This is, um, you know, this is somebody the manager is going to bring in and be able to, uh, to play right away. And um, additionally, as a, a Brazilian guy, he's going to, you know, be able to, to slot right in, um, you know, language-wise with, um, uh, with Richarlison, uh, with um, Gomez in the middle of the, the field. So uh, it's something we need. And, uh, you know, a bit, a bit about the center back conversation and as far as, you know, what type of player do you need? We need this central midfielder, you know, but do we need a 20 year old? You know, to me, this is a position where we need someone who we know is going to do the job. And, yeah. and I think that Ancelotti's probably made that point pretty heavily. Hey, you want me to, to build around this covers me in the center back position as well. You know, if we're not going to go out and get somebody who's a, a stud, we're then, then let's invest that maybe a few extra coins into a, uh, you know, or euros or metric. I don't know what, 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 <laughs> what measure we're using anymore. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a fit, um, you know, as far as the asking price, it, it's like the same cycle with Everton every time, you know, team asks 35, we bid 30. We now spend the next two months talking about how they're going to come to an agreement over the 5 million. And I'm not somebody to toss around 5 million, but it really just, you know, it's the same saga, right? And then insert after four weeks, uh, Tottenham or Arsenal, also interested in player. Yeah. Player now more interested in Tottenham or Arsenal. Yeah. Everton have to decide it, you know, and it just becomes that cycle. Uh, you know, this one, again, feels more unique and that Allen seems to, to want to come. There doesn't seem to be any question about that. So I'd like to see him wrap it up because I'd like to see him be part of uh, the squad, you know, at the beginning of the season. It would be nice to – to come out strong and not spend September going well when Allen gets in or when so-and-so gets in, you know, that, that we actually have a, a chance to, to start a season strong. So that it's not what can we achieve in spite of our beginning, but what can we achieve because of our beginning? Matthew? I think Allen has the potential to either be like a, a masterstroke signing or just a, a really um, sort of egg-on-your-face signing. Um, it doesn't really feel like there's a sort of middle ground there. I feel like because of his age, because of the fee, because of the wages um, he's on. I mean, he's only on. There's a there's a really good piece in the Athletic um, on Sunday uh, by Greg. Like, yeah, yeah, I read. Yeah, it. I don't know if you read this, he said about he's only on. I say only. 
<laughs> not bad money, is it? Uh, about 35,000 a week in Napoli. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure he's sort of struggling to get by there. But, um, <laughs> I, mean, the idea, I think they're looking at him being closer to 100,000 a week, maybe between 80 and 100,000. Um, as long as it's not Sandro Ramirez money, okay? <laughs> We're still on 120 yeah. a week with that guy. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm kind of willing to... Um, it's not saying I'm like mad, mad about happening. There's certainly players that want Evan to sign more desperately than Alan, but um, it seems pretty obvious that Ancelotti obviously really likes him. Um, and Ancelotti's obviously earmarked him personally as, uh, you know, the man he wants to re-energise Everton's midfield. Um, I saw one, I saw someone compare him, in terms of like Everton midfielders, you, you compare him to, I saw someone I can't remember who, but they said he's a bit like Gareth Barry, and that he's very busy and um, workmanlike, which um, is certainly an asset Everton don't have in, in midfield. So um, he'd be a, he would be an upgrade. He's not a long-term choice, unless I mean, actually, you know, I say he's not a long-term choice, but you know, players don't have to stop playing at thirty or thirty-one, thirty-two. You know. Um, we could end up seeing him play for three or four years mm-hmm. um, if, he's, if he makes a real impression. Um, yeah. But I think I think Angelotti and Everton have to be absolutely sure this is the deal they want to do. This is the player they want. Um, yeah, I mean, when in reading that article, I guess I guess the article kind of brought to because I mean, I he mentioned sorry, just say he, he mentions that PSG looked at Allen before they went for for Gay Gay or something. Yeah, so yeah. Um. Yeah, so yeah, like reading that article, I mean, I guess it brought to obviously we, none of us really probably watch a lot of Napoli. Um, so I it got brought to light, I guess, some of the you know, I guess, things about him that we wouldn't know or the way his play style. Um, but like you guys said, and, and like we've been talking about in, in the center back situation as well, if Allen is good for two to three years and allows Ancelotti to build around him. Um, that's good, and that's worth the price you pay for him because in the end, if you can get a centerpiece in that midfield that you can build around and it'll give Ancelotti another year and improve on another year, that gives Ancelotti the chance to bring in more players now who want to play with the squad because the squad is looking better, looks like they're on the up-and-coming. And by that second or by that third year, whether Allen is ready to play or not, it might bring in other players or attract other players to Everton because of the quality that they have. And, and, you know, obviously this is something you hope for and and probably we've hoped for with so many other players. Um, But if he can give Everton two to three years and, and help give Ancelotti time to build the squad around him, I think that could be, you know, that would be worth our money. Um, But again, we don't know. I mean, he didn't play that much this year because, um, I know Gattuso, I think it was, they said, preferred um, a younger option in that center midfield. I think Greg O'Keefe said in the article, but I yeah. still think that he can be someone that if we do bring in, you know, obviously the price tag may be a little high, but with three years left on his contract, I believe he said, um, it may be a little difficult to draw him away, but, um, but I think we can bring him in and, and I think he could be a good piece 
um, to add to this midfield that is just in dire need of something. You want, you mentioned, you want, you want players who um, you want players who want to come to Everton. Don't you? you want players yeah. who want to, and want to play for the manager. Yeah, and uh, I do get the impression that Alan wants maybe the, the move, yeah. um, which is which is a positive sign. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the concerns about him are pretty obvious in terms of age, his resale value, or lack of, um, you know. But, and it's not enough just to say, well, is he an improvement on what we've got? Because, yeah, he might be, but then that's a pretty low bar, isn't it? And, yeah. um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean that seriously. Like, you can't just say no, players who, who are, you know, they have to fit the system, they have to fit the, the style of play, whatever, uh, as well. Um, but it's, it feels like Alan would take the boxes. It's just, it's just, it's not a risk-free move. Put it that way. Well, you mentioned, you know, being compared to Gareth Barry brings up, uh, you know, longevity, which is, you know, I can't speak to Alan is not somebody who depends on, you know, his ability to be the fastest guy in the world sideline to sideline. He is a bit of a cerebral player, which you hope, you know, if that adds two years at this juncture in his career of being more, you know, at least uh, strong utility player then then that's worth it and then I know you mentioned Decore as well right that that we've been you know linked yeah. with Decore another player who you know to me honestly and this we can go into price you can go into all those things one I would assume would probably want to leave Watford at this point and come back to uh the Premier League and uh two would be actually a pretty good balance with Alan and that Decore is somebody who does depend on his physical ability and is that massive physical you know, and gets up and down the field. And, and then really that would bring out the best in Gilfie. And that's uh, really what we're looking to do these days is, uh, you know, get Gilfie on the ball and create for us. So <laughs> Matthew's just shaking his head at me. <laughs> no, uh, because I don't think, I think, I think, I think the issue with Sigerson is that each of these legs have gone. Yeah, I, yeah. Whereas I think the issue with Alan is, is if he's not the fastest player in the world, then you can at least put, players around him. Gareth Barry's legs hadn't gone, he was just slow. But you, yeah. had, you had James McCarthy around him, you had Idrissa Gay around him for a bit, you had Ross Barkley around him, who could... Um, I mean, Ross Barkley was not a defensive player, but you put him in a midfield three, and it just facilitates Gareth Barry doing what he does, because it just means that he doesn't have to compensate for the, the, yeah, the lack of pace in the rest of the midfield. I mean, if you watch, when we finished fifth with Martinez, James McCarthy, Gareth Barry's very sort of composed, doesn't really move a lot, you know, um, just sort of sticks in the same position all the time. James McCarthy's running around all over the place, um, sort of covering, you know, but that worked because, they, you know, they had the sort of the right sort of skills to complement each other. And if you can get a similar match with Allen and whoever else is in our midfield, then... Uh, I think that's probably the way to go. But it depends on the system. Brian, you kind of led directly into a question I was going to ask. Um, If we were to get Allen, obviously Allen is not known for his more, I guess, creative ability going forward. Um, Obviously, Brian, you seem to feel like Gilfie would benefit from Allen and maybe um, another defensive midfielder being brought in. Is there any part of you and maybe you, Matthew, too, um, that thinks maybe we do need to look at a more attack-minded central midfielder to add to the squad, 
because Gilfie, we don't – I mean, maybe he is done. Maybe this is it for him, and maybe this is the end of the road for the best of what we've seen out of Gilfie. Um, if we do get Allen, I mean, is there a feeling that we also may need to go after an attack-minded midfielder as well? I, I would say so. Um, at least somebody who can can be flexible into that position. You know, I think that there's a lot of of players now who who we can find. You know, we also have a wide need again, maybe not perhaps as glaring, but places where we need to upgrade. You know, you can call people options, but you know, once you're satisfied with having you know Theo as an option, or you know, as we mentioned, Gilfie, who you know, I kind of said that tongue in cheek, but uh, you know, if he's more somebody who we can play in games where we actually do seem to have possession and, and we can use his abilities around the box, then awesome. You know, it's just you can't go into a big game when we're looking to play against somebody getting up and down the field who, um, you know, we can't expect uh, somebody like Gilfie to, to cover the ground necessary. So I absolutely do. You know, whether it's an A-style player who will contribute at least just five or six goals, um, I don't think we necessarily need somebody to come in and, you know, uh, I mean, certainly somebody who can come in and dish out 20 assists would be great. Um, but but in reality, having somebody like Allen, who, who I consider what's like a forward-facing midfielder, same with Gareth Barry, you know, they're, they're not looking to receive and turn on the ball. They're kind of always facing up the field, uh, you know, and, and somebody who's comfortable turning and beating a defender. It has just absolutely, I think, just – and the biggest issue is that we can't we don't have anybody who can just take on a player and move past them and beat that one line even you know once everything has to be this perfect combination of build up and that's why I feel like every goal we scored was uh you know was amazing because it really felt like we had to get every pass right to get it in nobody was just going to carry past that first defender draw somebody out and create some space for people like Richarlison and uh and Calvert-Lewin to make good runs in behind so I think somebody who can do that, draw people into space. Bernard's not that option as much as people like to, I think, hope. I, I mean, I think he does well coming in. Uh, I just don't know if he does as well, again, uh, playing, you know, 360 degrees, if you will. I think he's good with a, a line to his back, receiving and just facing up one-on-one with that defender there. So, yeah, I think somebody who could uh, who can carry the ball into the final third into the box would be uh, more than useful. I'd rather get Decore than Allen, I think. Because Decore is slightly younger. Uh, obviously, we've been linked with Decore again, like we were yeah. with uh, Silva. But I think um, I've been biased in that I've seen a lot more of Decore. But I, I, I just I like the way that he can sort of he's good in both boxes, and he it's not like he's not rapid, but he, he gets around the pitch really quickly as well. And it's yeah. just really sort of tower, towering, sort of imposing presence in in that midfield. Um, On the fan. I was going to say, if Ancelotti was going to play, you know, he, he obviously likes the four four two. You know, then we're going to have to find two midfielders and could say Allen, Decore, pair up and, and do that. I think actually that wouldn't be a terrible four four two midfield. Um, you know, as long as obviously they need complementary wingers who yeah. uh, can be a little bit more creative and things like that. But but those two could do the job in a, a two man midfield because that's a unique uh, pairing that you have to have. And Allen is. I think the harder piece to find, which is somebody to cover that in front of the back four. And then, you know, you look at, and if you kind of look at all the pieces, I mean, just today, it looks like, uh, Arias, excuse my pronunciation, 
from, um, you know, Atletico Madrid that, that were looking for right backs who, that to come in and maybe get forward. So really cement down the middle of the field and let our outside backs, you know, back in the old Coleman and uh, Baines yeah. days, if you will, uh, you know, become – but, you again, you need – if you're going to be in that 4-4-2 because you need, you know, them to be able to flex and, uh, and, and provide options out wide. So maybe we're starting to see a bit of a pattern of what uh, – you know, of what Ancelotti is really starting to go after there. And then also, yeah. you've, you've, you've then got Gomez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He may be forced to come over break, too. If he's Absolutely. Not yeah. You've yeah. got Gabano to come back. Uh, I mean, we could probably talk about Tom Davies next, but, you know, maybe yeah. Tom Davies <laughs> also. Um, yeah, no, it'll be, um, it'll be interesting. I mean, there are some really good pieces out there that we've been linked with um, that you can see immediately stepping in and improving the squad. Um, Obviously, it's exciting, but, you know, we all know how the transfer window works and how silly season works and how a lot of these things don't end up coming to fruition. So, uh, you know, taken with a grain of salt, but still exciting to see some of these players and and what could possibly be at Everton. Um, Matthew, you mentioned Tom Davies. We'll get to him right here. Um, It looks like Newcastle might be preparing a 12 million pound bid for him. Uh, Simple question. Uh, Would you accept it? Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you. No, but only because I would like to loan him first and see him go somewhere where he would play every week, um, and then judge him there. Don't I thought personally after restart he was uh, pr- pretty pretty dreadful, um, but there are lots of caveats in that. Um, no one in Evans midfield has really had a good season. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to judge um, individual players too much um, and also Davies is, is obviously 22 and you know there is room you know to, to grow there and improve where there, there isn't with some of the older players so if you if you give him a loan and then make a call on him at the end of the season uh, I think that's probably the best way to go having said that the only thing I would say is 12 million is, is a pretty decent offer if it's coming in for someone who hasn't pulled up any trees for a while now. Um, and if there's the, if the idea is that Everton supposedly have to sell to buy, so um, I can see why it's tempting, but I would I would probably maybe hold you know and, and give Davies another season at least. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I think you make a lot of good points there about, you know, it's tough to judge a lot of anybody in the midfield because Tom Davies was never really asked to do what he's good at. Um, He always looked the best when he had somebody like a a true ball winner playing alongside of him where his, you know, (laughs) that manic energy he kind of brings. It's so funny how one, one match it can be magical and then the next match it can be, like having, you know, the Tasmanian devil playing in the center of the midfield, just giving the ball away and, you know, kind of, kind of floating aimlessly. And so I I do think that he would, um, I I do think, again, paired with an Allen, paired with somebody who can hold down the center of the midfield, you know, be a very poor man's decore, if you will, you know, Uh, it, it just, you can't pair him with Gilfie and Gomez and be like, hey guys, shut down the center. It just doesn't. And all of a sudden, you're asking all of them to do things that aren't uh, what what are a good fit for them. 
my only concern is that uh, if we do loan him out or if he does stick around, is that he's not the player, or maybe perhaps he is the player that we've kind of seen as far as inconsistencies go, and we miss up an opportunity to, to get, you know, a decent $12 million's not a, a small amount of money, you know, and if we're picking up Decore per se, you know, just using the same name as a, you know, for, for, um, you know, to fill in for the, whatever general eight you may like for us, you know, if we're going to pay 20 million is I'm probably up for Tom Davies and 8 million for Decore, if you will, you know, if that's what you're asking me to give up. And so that's where, if we are in a situation to give and take where it, it feels like we haven't gotten nearly out of the, uh, the slums, uh, or excuse me, the depths of, uh, of where we've been as far as the financial, uh, you know, makeup of the, the squad goes, it's tough, I think, to turn down $12 million for a player that next summer, if he doesn't do things, and he's on contract till 2023, you know, we don't want to be talking about, man, we're still paying Tom Davies money, you know, as he's killing it for, you know, or on the bench at Stoke uh, in the championship in 2022. So, you know, I, I think that's that's where you have to trust your manager to, you know, to sit down with Marcel Brands and say, you know, to Ancelotti, what what future does he have here? You know, do you see an improvement? The good thing about Ancelotti's reign is he saw everybody for a long enough time. You know, it wasn't as if he was only here a month at the end of the season. And, and you know, he I think he can make some pretty honest assessments. And I think if this is true, if we end up with a $12 million bid, I think it's a perfect number to tell you how we feel about him. If we keep them, there's still some belief. And if we sell them, it's obvious that they said, hey, this is the best value we're going to get for him. Let's move him out and let's turn around and spend that money on somebody that we know can do the job for us. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think. And also, I think, I think Davies' problem is that we were talking before about different types of midfielders, like the type of Alvin is you sort of the applying sort of combative midfielder and, and uh, Idrissa Gay was a kind of more dynamic, tenacious uh, midfielder. Um, Andre Gomez is your kind of luxury midfielder, maybe. I don't really know what kind of midfielder Tom Davies is. I don't I don't really know if, if he knows what he is. I remember when he first played under um, Bert Martinez, like four years ago now, when he put in a few good tackles, and I thought he would be like the next sort of James McCarthy type or even Gareth Barry. Uh, and the next season, we see him sort of driving through half of Pep Guardiola's Man City team. Um, and you think, well, maybe is he, is he a more creative midfielder than we ever gave him credit for? And the last two or three years, it feels like he's kind of caught between two stools and he doesn't really know what kind of... I think he needs to go and go away for a year and kind of figure out... Just, you know, kind of sort out this kind of identity crisis that he seems to have. Um and just and kind of figure out what his best attributes are as a midfielder because I don't really, I still don't really know what they are. Um, I don't no it's not I don't mean that I think he's a bad footballer. I just I don't know what his strengths and his weaknesses necessarily are. And I should I probably should do by now because he's played a hundred times or so and he's won the he's won the armband. So um, it is tempting because it's a bit it's quite a big bid for a player who hasn't done much for a while. Um, but I think. If it was up to me, I would loan him personally. Yeah, or maybe actually, maybe what I do is loan him, but give Newcastle the option to buy for yeah. fifteen million, maybe with a bit, you know, a premium on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be um, – I think um, – Brian, I think you made a great point in saying that this is kind of that price, that price point that it's like, okay, this is going to kind of give us an idea of which, you know, where they're headed with him and what they think of him. Um, I'm with you, Brian. I think that it wouldn't be the worst thing. Like $12 million just isn't – no, 12 million pounds is nothing to uh, scoff at for um, someone in Davies who, like Matthew said, um, we don't really know what kind of midfielder he has, but he is and, and kind of has been, you know – all over the place, very inconsistent. Um, I, you know, it's also in a, in a situation where we do need money to buy players and improve other areas of the squad, um, specifically in central midfield, where I think we've seen Tom Davies enough to know that we don't think at this current time that he is a guy who could step in there and solve a part of that issue. Um, so it'll be... It'll be interesting to see how that um, how that situation plays out. Um, let's move into some quick fire questions here to just kind of wrap things up. Um, start with this uh, one change. Shall we, shall we kind of explain what we're what we're doing? Just like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, so basically, we're just gonna you know talk about some some things that are related to Everton or not related to Everton. Um, or, or loosely related to Everton, just kind of fire off some questions. Um, Matthew and Brian came up with a few questions. It'll be about five each. Um, and we're basically going to, you know, kind of just talk about some things that have to pertain to Everton in some, you know, form or another. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, kind of just give our opinions on them, things that we wouldn't typically talk about in a regular podcast, but because, you know, there's not much else to talk about right now. Um, we, we kind of get the chance to talk about these things. There's nothing to moan about this week, is there? No, exactly. Although no, we've got, we have got, we've got, we've got, we've got, yeah. so we got a friendly against Blackpool on Saturday. So maybe next week we'll uh, get back to moaning. <laughs> there we go. All right. Maybe, maybe Beningame will be loaned by then to Blackpool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sport, and he'll sport. put in a great performance. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he'll make like exactly what he'll do. He'll make Gomez and Sigurdsson look like, you know, Gomez and Sigurdsson look like they're <laughs> the league one. League, yeah, yeah, like they're the league one. Um, uh, but yeah, let's 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 get into this. Um, start off with um, Matthew's questions. One change you guys would like to see the Premier League. Um, make or one change to the Premier League you'd like to see made this season? I Mine was going to be for this one that I would make it so you have a time limit on VAR decision because uh, whether it's when I've been at the game or watching on the telly I just find it if it takes like three minutes to make a decision then it's probably too close to call and then you should probably just go with the benefit of the doubt or just your gut instinct and you're kind of looking at things to penalise or, you know, you're kind of going out of your way to say, oh, look, his, his toenail was offside there. It's not, I'm not giving that. So, yeah, mine would be, I would make it so, maybe like, yeah, 90 seconds uh, to make a decision. And if you haven't got it, you just go with your, your gut instincts. Well, that's perfect because the one thing I would like to see change is I would like to see the refs have fanny packs that have the video <laughs> monitor in the fanny pack. Because then, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, put a put like a, 
Have you seen the like the iPhone 11? Those things are huge. Like put that in like his fanny pack, and then like they don't even have to go to the sidelines to check the monitor. Right there, <laughs> boom. They could strap it to their forearm for all I could. Just you know, just look down, have the monitor on them. But but I'm with you. My it, it really is to the same accord. I actually do like the the refs being able to look at it. I think it makes it a faster process because they can you know they know that they're tasked with it because there's no overturning your own, you know, if you're overturning, you're overturning your own judgment, but it's your own judgment. And you don't leave, you know, the, the person sitting in the booth with that whole, like, oh, I got to work with, uh, you know, I got to be the fourth for this guy, you know, next week. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, those kind of things, which I think we can laugh about, but they're, they're human nature. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, just, just keeping it to that singular person, having them be in charge of it, uh, you know, is, uh, is a way to go um, with their fanny pack on. Yeah, just to stay on the same thing, maybe ever, refs giving Everton more penalties, that would be a good <laughs> the next season. Would enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, just to, you know, kind of change things up a little bit, I guess, um, and say something that's completely never, ever going to happen, but would be really cool. Um, I love the playoff in the championship, so if they can make, make that work for the fourth Champions League spot, that'd be awesome. Because, I mean, I'm American, so I love playoffs and teams who really don't deserve to be in competitions. Kind of competitions. <laughs> so yeah. basically, I'm, what I'm saying is I'd like Everton to have a shot at Champions League by finishing in seventh place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You found a loophole, you know, Walter. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think what, – what did you guys think – sorry to go off topic, but what yeah. did you think of um, the Champions and Europa League being one leg? I thought it brought more excitement, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, those goals, like, you know, again, from an American standpoint, Tyler Adams having that deflected goal um, that sent Leipzig to the uh, – to the uh, as Brian raises his hands. Um, so it sent Leipzig to the semifinals. That's exciting. PSG, obviously, um, such disappointment for Atalanta, but seeing PSG come back, with two goals in stoppage time, you know, those goals don't matter as much if that's a first leg, you know, or they matter, but it's not, you know, the end all be all of the match or the fixture. Um, so I don't know about you, Brian, but I thought they were, they were definitely brought more excitement. Yeah. It's a, it, it definitely highlights the different, um, you know, the, the different things that you're getting from each approach. You know, it just, what I like about it is it makes the, the action itself more genuine meaning we have to win this soccer game, you know, not like, Hey, we're down one, you know, we're down two to one. Let's bunker in. Like, that's just a very, you know, but, but we won two oh and the away leg. So if we don't let them, you know, that kind of stuff, I think, um, you know, which is odd to me because I hear a lot of the people who I think what I call, you know, the old school soccer purist, if you will say like, you know, get rid of bar, but they like the two legs. And I feel like, the two legs it, and it has its you know one it's more soccer so yeah. let's do it right like I, you know i'm yeah I'm, we, uh, definitely, I'm, we definitely need more football at the moment right right <laughs> but and 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 to that though I, I think it does i mean we're talking about ways to keep people healthier and, and to do that i mean uh, you know whether you keep some or the other I, i've i've enjoyed it because it just felt like i'm going to tune into this game and oh i caught the first leg or i didn't catch the first you know you saw the match and yeah. you saw what led to it. And I think that that's always good for sports. 
Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the one the one thing that would change for it would be obviously uh, as opposed to the way it is this season. It would be at a home venue for one side and away venue for another side. Whereas it, you know we've been in Lisbon for the entirety of this um, since the restart of the Champions League. These one legs. Um, Let me propose that, an answer to that. Whoever has the higher league standing at the time that it happens. Like you draw that ball out, and let's say Everton's in. Let's say Everton's in the Champions League. Let's just toss it out there. So you draw Everton, you know, but they're being Everton and they're twelfth in the table, and they're taking on Real Madrid or second in the table, you know. And so it it adds in that domestic. Like we have to do well domestically yeah. in order to help. I, I don't. You know, those are the things that I'd like to see because again, it creates. Hey, we're playing Southampton, but we have to win as Man City in order to get up to second place in the. Yeah, you know, those are the dynamics that I. Yeah, enjoy. yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just a solution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you looking forward to Leipzig PSG could be uh, Adam Ola Luckman against Idrissa Gay, you know? Coming league semi final. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll be paying attention to the Tyler Adams ISO cam. Yes. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will absolutely be paying attention to Tyler Adams and only Tyler uh, Adams to the entire. Gino, Gino's American. Gino, do you remember when David Beckham first came to MLS and he yeah. was actually injured and couldn't play, yeah. and they still had the ISO cam yeah, on yeah, him yeah. during the entire game <laughs> in the bottom corner? So like the game's going on, and there's a picture of. Of David Beckham just sitting on the bed, not talking to anybody. It's like a whole time. And it was, yeah, like it was a picture. Like it was, oh man, it was, I'll never forget that. But at the same time, it's funny to look back now because, you know, we just had Blaise Matweedy, this, you know, world champion sign, and we're all, and people are like, yeah, I don't know if he's a great signing. And it's like, wow, how far? But yeah, I'll never forget that. Anyways. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Literally only going to watch for Tyler. Although it will be, it, it will probably be a very yeah, good, game. good game. Probably yeah. a very good game. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm rooting for Leipzig just so that they keep winning. And Tyler Adams is actually from the area that I cover in in America in New York. Um, so if he wins the Champions League, you know, I've already reached out to Leipzig once, trying to get in contact with him. We couldn't get an interview set up, but maybe, you know. Maybe this time. <laughs> Once he has that Champions League medal, no one else is going to want to talk to him. No, so. no one else is going to want to talk to him ever. Um, no, but yeah. Wait till he's playing for like, wait till Everton sign him at 35 and pay him too. Right. No. I mean, listen, Everton have been linked with Weston McKinney, which I mean, clearly. I think signing. that would be actually a great signing. I, th- I, mean, I think like, genuinely, genuinely, I think it would be yes. a very good signing. He's very good. But the one my – as we go off on this tangent about American soccer on okay. American podcasts, yes, um, the one problem would probably be his injuries because he has had a lot of them. Yeah. Past. But, but he does fit that eight role, that decoray type role. Yeah. Uh, well, so anyway, I, sorry. I signed him on Football Manager last year for Hull. Yeah. Very, <laughs> really good. Sign him up. And Raphael Leal up front. I had to, yeah. Yeah. What's it um, called? But yeah, no, I, I mean, Moving on to, I mean, we've already kind of gotten in Everton, but let's see, one thing you would change or one change you would make at Everton next season. Brian, we'll start with you. Oh, man. What's one thing that I would uh, – one thing I would change? Um, I, I would like to see, um, you know, as far as on the field goes, I would like to see Richarlison played out wide a bit more. 
Um, I know that seems counterintuitive. I just feel like with Calvert, you know, and this is the assumption that we don't bring anybody else, but if we could bring in another winger, uh, you know, I, I would like to see Richarlison starting from wide positions. I think it takes advantage of some of his, um, some of his stuff, but we got rid of angry birds. So that kind of like did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine would be, um, I would, I would change the beers that they have on tap at the uh, Goodison. <laughs> Brian, you've been to Goodison, haven't you? You have been to Goodison, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, I saw him, I saw him play City back uh, was it three or four years ago? Naismith, one uh, one draw. Did you try Chang? Yes, I did. Did you like throw up a bit in your mouth after trying Chang? I tried Chang. That's so we can leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rubbish. Isn't it? We've now got. We've now got we now got Carling and Coors Light, which are, you know. It's so weird that Coors Light is I mean I thought I thought when Ancelotti came in they might think, oh right, you know, he's, he's a really like quint archetypal Italian manager. That's sort of get, some Stella, get some Stella get some Stella on tap or something. <laughs> that was Belgian, isn't it? I think. Yeah, is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Peroni. Peroni's the Italian. Peroni. Peroni, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Moretti, yeah. Something that packs more of a punch than... <laughs> so that by how, you know, you know, you don't and have I need, to I need, You need it to get through watching it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, one question for you, Brian. If we do move Richarlison out wide, can you see, obviously, Ancelotti prefers the four four two. Can you see Keane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as a partnership up top? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an option. Again, I, that's where you get into the four-four-two of, you know, do you really want Richarlison tracking back as a, a true outside midfielder? But, you know, there are obviously ways, you know, around that, tilting the field, you know, because really if you're going to play him on the left side of the field, you're going to have uh, Luca Dean making overlapping runs anyway. So it's not like he can be pasted out wide and, and looking to get down to the corner and it crosses anyway. It doesn't really suit him. Um, but I do think he can tuck it. You know, you think about some of his dynamic goals that really come as he's, you know, a lot of time perhaps on the counter, but, you know, getting it out wide and combining and working his way through and, you know, some of those good finishes. Uh, but, you know, again, just something I'd like to see to help maybe cover us uh, in, in some areas, but, I obviously get that it's uh it's going to be a matter of who we bring in and, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if but, I had to say one change at Everton, sticking with the on the field, I mean, obviously we beat the it's like being a dead horse at this point, but you know, just to see them not have to bypass the midfield every single time they go <laughs> forward would be just just utilize have some form of unpredictability. That's you know, I, it feels like we Everton has been such a predictable club going forward um, over the past few years to have that element of unpredictability, bring in those players that can, you know, we're not always going around the outside. We're able to work the ball through the middle a little bit um, that, you know, even if it doesn't yield automatic results and, you know, obviously we're not going to win every single game, but to see them utilize that and become a little bit more unpredictable on the pitch, that would be, you know, I think a good thing on the field. Um mm-hmm. And I think something that Ancelotti probably, you know, once he gets the players he needs in, which hopefully he'll get enough of the players he needs in this window, um, I think he can make that happen. So um, moving on to um, another question from Matthew. Um, With Roberto Martinez landing the Belgium job, um, Ronald Koeman 
the Barcelona manager. Um, Matthew had a little fun question here. Uh, which top job will Sam Allardyce land next in his career? <laughs> Matthew, you want to start? Uh, I thought, I think, um, <laughs> well, I feel like Sam Allardyce is now at the point where I think I wrote a bit about him over lockdown, where he's kind of that guy who will just do um, sort of graveyard shifts on talk sport <laughs> and. You know those guys who just go around the country doing like an evening with, and then their name. Yeah. You do have? Did they do that over there? Over in America? Like, so a, like, like a guest speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll just be like, they'll just see. Like when lockdown is over and people can like you know socialize anywhere you go, and it's like you just see constantly like an evening with Sam Allardyce in like Norwich or <laughs> in South End or random. You know, I feel like that's like the next step in Allardyce's career. Yeah. Um, I can't. Could you imagine if Allardyce got like an elite job like they did? Though, I actually kind of be kind of interested to see how he did it. How he, like, he already did. Yeah, he had one at England and Everton. So, <laughs> but whether he'd be like, you know, he would still play, you know, the same sort of rigid formation, or actually, you know, try and go for it a bit more. But on Kuman getting a Barca job as well. I'm looking forward to see like what what wacky thing he does. You know, I put out on the Twitter yesterday. I can't wait to see how many how many holidays he takes at Barcelona. I saw that. How many center midfielders he was? Yeah. Well, how many like how many promising young strikers he plays at right wing back? <laughs> Somebody said uh, whether he signed. I just saw a tweet on Twitter that said uh, Ronald Koeman has made his. It's like it was like a, obviously. Um, you know, a joke, but he said it's like breaking. Dom- or Ronald Koeman has made his first big signing at Barcelona. Dominic Calvert Lewin coming to the club because he feels like he needs to strengthen the right back position or something yeah. like that. Yeah, Cuco Martinez is unavailable, then I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, uh, I, see, I see Sam Allardyce. Uh, you know, let's say Pep Guardiola has a fallout at City. I think Allardyce slides right <laughs> in at Man City. He's, you know, he knows the country. Wouldn't it be great? Even if they were just like, hey, we just need to fill the gap for a few weeks while we wait for so-and-so to get free. Like, wouldn't it be hysterical? I mean, come on. Like, him him freaking out about the center backs? Poor John Stones. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him go to Spurs and see if he did it. There's a better job than Mourinho, though, because they're quite similarly, like, miserable managers on. Yeah. You know. I think I see him sliding right into, like, a – Russian international manager spot. That's where I see. He could go right there. He'll fit right in. He'll just go play his football over there. I don't know. Just something different. <laughs> yeah. Get him sure. out of the country. Um, next question again from Matthew. Next two are from Matthew. Um, <laughs> if you could have the haircut of one Everton player, past or present, whose would you pick? Um, Thomas Gravison. <laughs> Um, uh, go on, Brian. What would you say for this one? Go on. Well, there's obviously I could pick from the extensive Leighton Baines collection. Yes, <laughs> you could go like Oasis. You know, you could go with the weird like kind of Karen mom haircut he did, where it was like kind of spiky but like a little yeah. brushed over. But I tell you what, I want to dig down and go 
to if you guys remember Lucina Triore's yeah. very, very brief <laughs> stint. <laughs> he had a beautiful layered mohawk with the black, and then it was dyed right on top of it. And I've always truly appreciated uh, <laughs> truly appreciated that. And I think that would be the best look. Although with my own personal hairline, maybe Tom Davies quaffs where I need to go because it's uh it's a little bit fuller. But I think Lucina Traore's mohawk where that that's really where it's at for me. On a on a serious point, I I'd probably go for Bernard because <laughs> I I really I have a lot of admiration for somebody who can be bothered to cut their own hair. And Bernard, <laughs> Bernard just looks like he cuts his own hair. So. I I don't I don't you know I mean Tom Davies is a great look. I mean just to be able to pull that off would be fantastic. But I think I got to go with the Leighton Baines, like clean cut Leighton Baines, like where, you know, mm-hmm. that period of time, you know, the nice little comb yeah. over whatever he had going there. Yeah. Very simple, you know. I think that's what I'd have to go with. Although, you know, when Richarlison for the very brief period went all Ronaldo and just had the yeah. blondes, <laughs> yeah, that, really that is a good yeah. look as well. So yeah. it would that's be a true tough Ronaldo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Next question, with fans reportedly not being allowed to sing or make much noise at matches, which, before we get into this, I don't really understand the singing thing, because, like, when you talk, you do the same thing. Like, I'm projecting now. Like, like, what do you expect fans to do? But, yeah, 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 exactly. With fans not being allowed to sing or make much noise at matches when they return to stadiums, Will Tom Davies improve immeasurably due to the potential absence of groans and jeers aimed his way? Um, Brian, would you like to start with this? Yeah, I think it's one of those questions where you kind of laugh, but then you're like, Haha, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's something about going in and knowing, you know, <laughs> being held accountable by 35,000 people is a completely different experience than not being held accountable. But there, and, and not to mention more so too, not also being able to escape through like just hustle, if you will, you know, where you just kind of get caught up and the crowd loves that you're tackling, even though you're way out of position, you know, you're, you're going to be on Ancelotti's, you know, on, on his rope. So, uh, so, so it is interesting that, uh, that you would say that, but I'll leave a lot of that to the person with more experience, which is Matthew. Um, it reminds me of what Paddy was saying in the week about how you, you really don't want to be a Goodison if, if they don't like what you're doing. <laughs> uh, I think Tom, I don't know because I feel like Tom Davies has already played in front of an empty crowd for the last six weeks and didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that was my point. But, I feel like we've seen what he would be uh, like, and I'm not sure it'd be that great. No, I mean, what sticks out to me is like there's two incidents. One was when we beat Man City in like 2013, and Jelovic scored like a last minute goal. Um, and there's a video of taken from the Gladys Street, and if, I don't know if you remember this goal, but Yelovic like turns, shoots, takes quite a bit of time to to shoot because he's not scored for ages, so he's probably like, you know, confidence on the floor or whatever. Some guy from inside the Gladys Street shouts, "Just fucking hit it!" At him. <laughs> and then um, when we played Norwich this season, there was there was someone there's a video that went around where. <laughs> It was like 1-0 Norwich or 0-0 and then Sadibi's just left 
<laughs> Norwich. Have you seen this? Like Sidibe just left the Norwich winger just come wide open, and some fella just shouts, "It's your man, Sidibe, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> um, I, I think it's that kind of thing which Tom Davies is probably, you know, the recipient of more than most of the Everton players. Uh, uh, speaking, just speaking on, you know, we we talked a little bit about loans, and speaking of this kind of experience playing in front of thirty-five thousand raging Everton fans. Do you think that loans, I mean, obviously loans are meant to get players reps and get them experience at the lower levels and get them to the level that they need to be at. You think they also help maybe getting in front of a crowd at a lower league that doesn't maybe have as much fans kind of work you into feeling what it's because if you're playing in the U under 23s, yeah, there's not real. I can't imagine there's what 200 people at those matches. Like if yeah. that, you know, I mean, Tom yeah. Davies went from doing that to step it on the field in front of 35,000 Everton fans who have been upset for the past, you know, however many years because the club is in a stagnant position for whatever. You know, it just feels like the same circle. Um, does loans, you think, help with that and just allow players to kind of get used to that as well and, you know, get used to that atmosphere? I think so, yeah, because it's like um, it's more of a man's game than kind of the sort of cushier, cocooned environment of – yeah. The 23s, but also I think even when they play in front of bigger crowds, I think people are more people care less basically about the 23s, don't they? So they're more forgiving, they're less they're less bothered if you make a mistake. Whereas you know, if Tom Davies plays a sideways pass or whatever, yeah, God, you know, wouldn't want to be here. Put it that way. <laughs> no, I remember the under 23s when they won the league in like three years ago, and I was at Goodison. There's quite a decent crowd there, about a thousand. But we lost to Liverpool and the atmosphere was still like really nice. In fact, these like these five kids all just like ran on the pitch and hugged the goalkeeper at the end. <laughs> um so yeah, I think it's a good point. It's like, you know, it's but you know, I think Tom Davies has already played enough now to Well, at this point, yes. I'm just saying, you know, when he first comes on, you know, when he first gets up to that level, you know. Obviously but he not. might go somewhere else and be like, oh, your, your fans are so lovely. You know, there's so much forgiveness yeah, 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 yeah. Everton fans. God, you want to be... Oh, know, maybe, maybe not Newcastle, but, you oh, know. <laughs> well, it's hard to burn a bridges in a loan year. You know, you can have, like, a poor yeah. loan year, but it's tough to become, like, a villain in your loan year. I mean, people have done it, but it's just, you know, no matter what, you're coming to the club usually in a position oh. where you're going to be expected to play or contribute a little yeah. bit, but it's not like... Hey, we just signed you to a four-year contract. You're, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's see what he can do. And if it's four, you almost feel like, yeah, well, it didn't work out. Yes and no. I mean, we, uh, as Matthew just astutely pointed out, Sidibe got crap this year, and he's only been on the he was only on loan. So, but I get what you're saying, Brian. I know but I he's gone that. now. That's the point. Is he doesn't yes, have to? Yeah, yeah, if he yeah, came yeah. back into that next yeah. year, would have been a thousand because you become all right. This guy's not good enough. Yeah, yeah this guy. Yeah, <laughs> what's this guy doing? I'm sure that was just that was just the cause light talking, Gino. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, moving on to uh, some of the questions Brian brought up. Uh, I'll start here. How much would Barcelona have to bid in order for fans to be okay with Richarlison leaving? Um, Brian, you want to start with this one off? What do you think? Oh, man, I mean, it's, it's tough to tell with the, um, you know, with the kind of the new uh, reality, although prices don't seem to have dropped too much on the market as of yet. Uh you know, if if they get into the 
the 90 to 100 million dollar range i think you you really have to start listening and, and i do think that that we'll we'll be getting bids like that you know all joking aside i think he actually would fit right into a barcelona team that that needs somebody like him uh but uh you know whether that's a post but but i think generally if we get to 90 to 100 million whatever you want to measure it by <laughs> that's uh that that's a number where um where i think you, you really have to consider about how much can you improve the squad uh with that uh i i do hate the idea that you sell your best player uh, i'm never a fan of that uh however if you feel confident in your investment you know then Let's say ninety to hundred million. No, yeah, same ballpark for me. I think. Um, yeah. I think yeah. there was rumors. I don't think it was true, but I think there were rumors Barcelona bid around eighty-five mm-hmm. uh, in January. Um, and I would have wanted more then because it was January. But I think if it's a summer window, um, I don't think you can blame Everton um, if, say, in a year's time, if we haven't really kicked on, then yeah. they accept a bid in that. In that price range, the only thing I would say is, would would Richarlison really want to play for Ronald Koeman's Barcelona? <laughs> well, if we give him a year, it gives him a year to think about it. <laughs> it's a it's a small world after all, huh? Does he really want to play right wing back? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but on a serious note, I think I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't begrudge Richarlison leaving in a year because he's he's too good to keep playing for like mid table fodder. So if that's still where we are. If we have, if there aren't obvious signs of progress, yeah, then I don't think you can really complain, blame Michelson. No, yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't think that there's. I think you're right. I don't think that there can be any blame there if after another year we're still in the same position. Um, obviously, if he were to be sold this window, obviously, which which won't which won't happen, but or we think won't happen, um, that would obviously. Pre- pose a much bigger problem because of the short and weird window that we have here and how everything's working. But I think you guys are right. You know, if after a year we're in the same spot, you know, about, you know, hundred mil is probably what we would be perfectly fine with, you know, yeah. hope, you know, that would also be after Richarlison hopefully has another great season, no matter what happens. So um, how many goals will Moise Keane score this uh, score next season? Um, Matthew, you want to give a guesstimate here? I'm going to say 11. Ooh. What I do think, think I don't think he'll start the season. I think Dominic Calvert will probably be first choice, whether that's in a two with Richardson or on his own. Mm-hmm. But I actually think Moise Keane is a better loan striker than Calvert Lewin. Um, mm-hmm. I think we only really saw Calvert-Lewin come into his own when he played in a two whereas I think Moise Keane um, for, I don't, for whatever reason I don't really know why I just, I just think Moise Keane suits the lone striker system well uh, I think uh, just to add to your point there I think that he has shown more individual skill I think, and the ability to create more for himself than any of the other Everton strikers, specifically Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is more of a, you know, he's hardworking, he gets into a good spot, um, yeah. high press, but 
he doesn't have, and I don't think this is a, you know, I don't think anybody would debate you on this. He doesn't have the individual skill that we've already seen from Moise Keane in a, um, you know, short period of time. Um, I think, I think, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, Matthew, continue what you're saying. I think his, like, his ceiling, Calvert-Lewin's ceiling is probably a bit lower than Keane's. It's just the Calvert-Lewin's work rate is, um, I don't want to say significantly better because it makes it sound like Keane isn't a hard worker. I think he can be. Yeah, yeah. um, Calvert-Lewin just never stops, does he? So that's, yeah, exactly. uh, One of his biggest uh, strengths. As you said, so I think a... he'll be like first choice, but I think Keane will improve, and probably a year in the in the prem, in the Premier League would have um, will do him good for next season. Uh, I don't think there was a match where he came in where he ever seemed overmatched. I mean, you know, where he ever felt like, oh, it looks like a you know. And, and I'll admit that there were times when you know, as if it were years ago, when you know, even Calvert Lewin came came on early and, you know, you kind of saw it and you look like, yeah, he really looks like that 18, 19 year old. And, and Moise Keane just looks like he needs more time. He's, you know, like any striker, he's a, he's a confidence guy. You know, those guys ride waves of confidence. And, and, and when you're young, you get it in little bits and pieces, but obviously, you know, as you become a pro, they, you know, and, and kind of shift from being the young up and coming thing to wanting to establish yourself. You know, I, I think he can get, 15 starts across the board this year, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and provide somewhere I probably have him at seven or eight goals. And I think if you're getting that from a 19, 20 year old player, that's pretty good. And then you start to look at across the board of him and Calvert Lewin and, and, um, and Richarlison being able to give us some type of balance. Also, I think um, one of the points I think I highlighted last time was the last two Games Moise Keane started, he scored in both of them. Yeah. So, um, I think it doesn't seem like he's an impact player either. It feels like he has to start the game to give. And like Brian said, he's a confidence player. If yeah. you start him, I think that gives him more of a lift than say if you bring him off the bench and say, "I want him to make an impact." I think. Yeah, I mean, him. he's had his opportunities uh, as a sub. I mean, I feel like I remember a game. I don't know what game it was, but we were down a goal, and he came on, and he just creative space for himself and just fired one that just barely missed or whatnot. You know, he's had his opportunities, but I agree that I think he needs to start. I think, like you said, Brian, I'll probably expect seven or eight goals out of him um, this coming season. I think another season in the Premier League, um, he continues to improve. I'm sure he'll get a little bit of boosts from, you know, a year under Ancelotti and probably, you know, if Calvert-Lewin and – Richarlison both scored 13 goals in the Premier League this past season. Um, and our next highest scorer had three in Bernard. Oh, so there needs to be production from somewhere else on the pitch. Um, even if it is a guy like Keane who is a sub or whatnot, we just need goals from other areas because we can't just rely on those two players to get us all the goals because it, yeah. you know, that's just you know unreasonable. But. Yeah. I mean, there was a period after Ancelotti joined when I think like the first eight games, nobody scored for Everton apart from Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison. Yeah, I mean, well, Calvert-Lewin... I think Moise Keane was the first one. That was like the eighth game of Ancelotti's tenure. Yeah, I mean, Calvert-Lewin had a... After Silva left, he I think he scored like eight goals in his first nine games after Silva left or something like that. So, um, you know, he, he, you know, kind of hit his stride there. Um, I hate to... I hate to say it, sorry, last one, is that 
he, Keane's in a perfect position, and maybe it's a good is, or at least for me, where Everton need to be in every position, which is what, God forbid, something happened to injury wise to a Richarlison, to a Calvert Lewin, is that I would be comfortable with Moyes Keane coming in and starting a run of games. And I know that I think that would give him that, you know, and, and again, not that I'm hoping that something happens, yeah. but that he's that perfect player to come in and say, hey, here's your run of eight games while so-and-so recovers. And, you know, he's shown that talent and ability. So that's that kind of cover that I like in a position where, you know, in a, in a perfect world, that's what you have across the board. He also has the ability to play on that wing. I believe he played on that, on the wing a few times for Juventus mm-hmm. and scored a couple goals for them there. Um, so, you know, he kind of has that Richarlison ability to play in that striker role or play out, you know, out wide. Um, and he'd still be able to create stuff for himself and create shots in space. So um, if you could choose one all-time Everton player to put in the Blues lineup forever, who would it be? And why would it be? <laughs> Brian adds so astutely here, why would it be Leighton Baines? So, Brian, <laughs> let's start with you. Why would it be Leighton Baines? I don't even know who it is. I don't even know who it is, but why would it be Leighton Baines? No, it has to be Leighton Baines. I mean, it one, from just say, hey, it's Leighton Baines, and just trying to give – him as many shout outs, but, uh, but with Leighton Baines on the field, free kicks, boom, taken care of. You don't have to take care of that in any other position. That guy can, can hit, uh, can hit free kicks. Um, you, you know, in his prime, Baines was just a spectacular player as far as both, both ends of the field. Um, you know, Luca Dean, I think almost gives people that remembrance of how really great that, oh yeah, we used to see this out of Baines week in and week out for, quite a few years in a row, uh, you know, and so it was nice to, to see that back out there. But, uh, you know, it's a position. I'm a big fan of attacking fullbacks. I think that they can be a really important cog because they can also uh, slow down attackers just by getting up the field and forcing them to come back. So uh, it would be the man, the myth, the haircut, uh, Leighton Baines for me. Um, Matthew, go ahead. I'm trying to think of someone to pick besides – Baines, I think. Um, <laughs> trying to mix it up. I'll, I'll give you like another of my favourite all-time Everton players. Yeah. So, like, so I'm 22, and the first like season I got into Everton was 04, 05, when we finished fourth. So it's kind of all, all been downhill from there, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop watching while I, I should have just quit while I was ahead and stopped watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Nigel Nigel Martin was probably like. I know Neville Southall was obviously like a better goalkeeper, but in terms of players I've seen, I probably I have like more of a bias towards Nigel Martin as a goalkeeper because he came to Everton and he was like I think thirty-seven and he just made that like world-class save after world-class save, and you know we we qualified for, we qualified for Champions League with a goal difference of minus one that year. So <laughs> I can like imagine if we'd had some terrible goalkeeper, imagine what. Awful goal difference you would have got. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll pick Nigel Martin just because um, very professional, very reliable, uh, very likable. Um, so he would he would just to mix it up a bit. I'll say I'll say I'll say Nigel Martin. Um, yeah, same to mix it up a little bit. I I think I'd have to go with um, Tony Hibbert. You know, I think it would take him a lifetime to score one goal for Everton. So I'd like to see that happen in his, uh, in his career. So yeah. If yeah. he could play, I mean, for the next for the rest of his life, maybe he'll score one goal. So 
Um, you know, I think he'd have to be my option. Um, Detroit? Yeah, no, naturally, exactly, exactly. I don't know. It's, I mean, not, it's tough to pick someone seriously. Um, no. It's tough to pick someone other than Baines from, you know, what I've seen just because we haven't seen. I mean, Tony um, Hibbert's only one goal behind Sandro, so, you know. <laughs> low bar. And he's a lot cheaper than Sandro. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He just goes fishing uh, now, like Tony Hibbert. Yeah, I mean, just for, I mean, again, like I said, in all seriousness, away from, you know, choosing someone other than Baines is, is tough. Um, I've always loved Seamus Coleman on the other side. I think at his peak when he was running up and down, I, I like his fire. I love his attitude and his passion. And that's one thing that I feel has kind of dwindled and maybe even in himself, but um, yeah. has dwindled um, a little bit in this Everton squad. And, you know, what I when I started watching Everton, that was like a staple of the squad, kind of that passion and that effort. Um, so, I mean, Seamus Coleman always had that, that fire and, and I kind of like that. So just in interest of being different and players that I've actually seen play, um, I'd go with Seamus Coleman probably. Um, how long until we hear. It's a good question. It's a good question. How long until we hear Carlo Ancelotti utter Everton that? Um, First game of the season? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let me, with the window. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I posted it kind of, you know, like joking, but yeah. I, I'm interested to hear for, the, for Carlo Ancelotti the first time to be like just that, do what every manager from Everton's done, that whole lean in and kind of like, yeah, I've just never really had to deal with it that kind of way before. <laughs> you know, where it's unique here, where they start using those code words. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, um, I, but uh, but yeah, I, I, when does he when does he admit that Everton is, if nothing else, a unique unique challenge for him? Probably, probably when we line up against whoever we play in the first game of the season with. The same eleven that started against Bournemouth <laughs> in the last game last season, yeah. um, and you know, make one tackle in midfield. Uh, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson just points everywhere, telling people to. <laughs> you know, James Coleman's crosses don't beat the first man. Yeah, uh, um, uh. I'm looking forward to seeing how like how dishevelled Ancelotti looks by the end. Yeah. You know how like Martinez started with this like very nice head of hair and sort yeah. of degenerated this bald sort of you know, really tired. I don't know. Does, does he get hat. to that point or does he quit before it gets to that well, point? Well yeah, Ronald Cuban who looked like I don't know if you've seen you've probably not seen it, but there's a soap in uh, England called East Enders where sort of these two like really rough fellas called the Mitchell Brothers. Google them if you haven't heard of it, but yeah. kind of really like you know, rough looking like really like unshaven gruff beard, like a really like half-arsed sort of pubic beard. <laughs> um, and Marco Silva, who just looked like he got rained on every time he went, ooh, man, he's dead. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so so, so my abiding memory of Silva, just him yeah. looking really badly rained on and, and uh, you know, sad and sort of puppyish. So, uh, I, yeah, looking forward to seeing what Ancelotti. Yeah, he's got I, quite a nice sort of silver hair isn't it but that'll probably just be completely gray by the time he's finished with <laughs> no I, I i think you know i'd say i'd give it a little more time maybe like five matches in you know once he like really gets a feel like oh wait this is actually how it is every single yeah. game yeah when the transfer window shuts yeah 
that's probably when he'll, you know, yeah. he'll start to feel it. Um, also, I think just to go back to the last question, somebody that I just thought of, uh, Romelu Lukaku probably would be a good player to have for, you know, if you could just put him in there for the end forever. Um, Cause he's been, I mean, specifically right now, pretty topical. He has, you know, scored in 10 straight Europa League matches. Um, yeah. But he's always boy. a very good striker for us. Always strong, always powerful, you know, always, you know, he was, he was always fantastic for us. So uh, that might be another player too to add in that, add in that squad. Um, final question here. Um, and a really good one. I actually really like this one. Um, which has a better chance of happening next season? Champions League qualification or relegation? Matthew, let's start with you. Champions League qualification, I would say. I don't think either will happen. Yeah. Um, I can't. I don't even think we'll be in trouble this season because we've got too good a manager to be worrying about that. Um, I mean, the squad will get upgraded. I, I, I don't doubt that everyone will make signings and be in a better place by October the 5th. But, um, you know, we're not going to bridge the gap from 12 to 4th in a year. You know, it's just not going to... I mean, it happened to Leicester once and that's it. You know, that sort of, you know, mammoth change in fortunes. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll be much closer to that than we will be to the bottom three or even the bottom half, I think. Yeah. Brian? Um, yeah, no. Uh, one, I like this question because it actually forces Everton fans to be, like, somewhat optimistic. Yeah. You're like, we're not going to get relegated, right? Like, that's not so – so, yeah, no, we can do cha- – you know, like, you have to rationalize. Uh, but I really do think Champions League qualification, if not for the fact that if you look at a lot of the teams in, in uh, next year that are going to be playing in Europe, you know, Man United is going to be trying to take on the Champions League. And they just tried – they just kind of made the jump from mid-table. You know, we're, like we're joking about it, but as far as their depth goes, you know, how, how are they going to be able to balance Champions League? And, you know, they've got a strong 11. But, you know, beyond that, they're really going to struggle to, to play those, even in a, an overly condensed schedule as well. Like this is going to be even more condensed as usual. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, with Leicester and Europa League and things like that, you know, that – that some of those teams are going to be stretched, you know, how much, how interested in Europa League is, I guess Jose Mourinho won it with Man U. And if so, then maybe he focuses a lot, you know, so I think there's a lot of turmoil in those spots, if you will, as opposed to strong teams that didn't make it. Um, so, you know, I, I think we've got a chance. And as Matthew said, I think we have to at least be able to say the player's response to Carlo Ancelotti and his problem-solving ability and experience should keep us out of that early. It'd just be nice to have a good start, wouldn't it? Like, not, you yeah. know, to it, just to spend the season, like, going down as opposed to trying to climb up. It would just be yeah. really nice to – but, uh, yeah, we'll go with Champions League qualification. I really look forward uh, in about nine months to pulling this podcast back up as we're like, <laughs> that was never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I think um, I am the prototypical Everton fan that you were talking about. I'm typically very pessimistic about a lot of a lot of things in general, not even just Everton. Um, so when I first thought of this, it's like, I mean, there's just no shot we make champions. Like, there's only four spots there. Like, I guess it would probably be relegation, but 
as you guys were talking about it, I kind of like switched gears and thinking like, okay, like, you know, maybe, maybe champions league is a little bit more, you know, maybe it's more possible than I'm thinking in my own head. So, you know, I think you guys might've swayed me in the champions league direction here of thinking it's more possible. That's more likely. I mean, obviously being the pessimistic Everton fan, I am my natural thought is that, you know, it's going to go terribly wrong about, you know, October 5th when the transfer window ends and we think we have everybody we need to about December and then, you know, but, um, you know, I think you guys might've swayed me in the other direction. I think, well, I think I'm going to go with the champions league is more, more, uh, more likely just, um, I mean, just any sort of improvement would be, would be great. Um, right. anything else guys, any, any other questions, anything else you guys thought of while, while we were talking? No? Uh, how old is that scarf, Brian? I'm trying how to old is that scarf? Yeah. Uh, I think I got it at the... Uh... I can't see it on, on Spotify, obviously, but Brian's got a very nice Millsides Nissi Ultimate scarf. With a bit of red on it, is that? No, it's an Irish flag on it. Oh, it's an Irish flag. Oh, okay. I'm Irish, so... Love some love to Seamus Coleman, too. I was out the, When I was out there with my brothers, we picked that up. Oh, cool. So, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, just trying to keep my classroom, you know, just ready to go. So, uh, hopefully we'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be a good year. I mean, I, I do think that it'll be a year of improvement because yeah, for all the changes, I think Ancelotti has had a longer honeymoon period in, in a good way and that he's really had a genuine time to assess and not be measured uh, by how the team does, if you will. Um, you know, I know he had a long break in there, but just a lot of time to look and, you know, and, and kind of find out what to, I mean, there's just something to be said for how do you come back from that extended break, you know, as far as professionally, you know, who came back and looked good and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that'll all add up to, you know, as you said, just, you know, just some type of improvement would be nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we can all hope for that. And I think we all see some form of that this season. Um, that's all we got for you guys. Uh, Matthew, thank you as always. Brian, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll hope to have you on again soon. Um, to everybody out there, we will talk to you guys next time.